And good afternoon from Maui, Hawaii. It's Michael Benner with this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School webinar. And uh, happy to be with you on what is another beautiful, is it summer still or are we in autumn now, I guess? Last week was Labor Day. It is September 7 of 2008. Our topic for the day today is sacred or spiritual activism. And we're going to talk about that. Of course, we'll do our um, uh, guided imagery segment at the end of the event and also respond to any questions or comments that you may have. And you can enter those at any time, even if it's just a how-do-do, uh, provided that you're listening live this Sunday afternoon. And... Uh, listening on the web. You'll see that little box down in the bottom of the screen. You might need to scroll down a little, but most of you will see it right there. And just put in a first name in the city and a little comment. Just say hi, or maybe a comment on the topic or something from past webinars, or a comment or question about our topic for the day today, which is spiritual activism, or sacred activism, if you will. And we'll talk about the difference between your basic activist and what might be an alternative in this regard. That's our theme for the day today. I have a couple of, well, one in particular, a very exciting announcement here. At least I'm excited about it. We have developed, and I want to give all the credit and, the, and, and rightly deserved credit to a friend of mine who is my chief web master, webmeister, and consultant on such matters, Kurt Wyman in uh, Dana Point, somebody suggested that it would be a very good idea if in listening to a replay of one of these events, or even listening live as you are now, as you may be now, uh, wouldn't it be nice, she said, if you could click a button on your website, Michael, and send a link to that replay uh, to anybody you want through the email and to any replay that you want. So I went to my web guy, Kurt, and said, is this possible? And he said, yeah, I can do that. And in two days, he had it up. So it's there for you now. At any time, you can send links of these programs uh, to your friends, and they can listen too, even after the fact. You know, the very same web page is used for each event. I should say it this way. Each week there's a different web page set up. And whether you come before the event or during the event or or after the class to listen to it, uh, you're going to the same web page, so to speak. So where do you get those? Well, the audio archives are on my website, theagelesswisdom.com. They're all listed there, theagelesswisdom.com. Just Click on home page to go inside once you get there, and then web teleconferences. That's how they're referred to. In the, you'll see the list of navigation links there on the left side. Just click on web teleconference and go inside, and they're all there for you to listen to. But if you want to share one with a friend, click on the obvious link, send one of these to a friend. I forget exactly how it says, but you click on that and put in their email and Choose which program, which of these classes you want to forward to them, and they'll get a link to it. It is so cool. And, again, thanks to Kurt, and uh, thanks.
thanks to Haley Carr for the idea, and uh, it's cool. I can't wait for you guys to begin to use that because everybody benefits then. This is sort of waging inner peace. You know, I'm not recruiting anything. I'm not selling anything here. I'm still doing my journalist uh, philosopher guy thing, you know, looking for the truth as a journalist, looking for the truth as a philosopher, and not talking at all about the one right way. You know, that's why I, I don't really do religion, though much of what I do is spiritual in nature, because I don't believe there is one right way. I, I believe in the diversity, and I believe that uh, that truth exists as diversity and abundance and prosperity. And, and so we, in a very eclectic and comparative way, uh, talk about the relevant issues um, week after week in this mystery school. So share this. You'll have, they will benefit. And I don't mean, you know, push this on somebody who's not interested. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, go to the, the friends and associates of yours who you know are looking for this kind of stuff. And now instead of just telling them about this, you can send them an email with a link to one of your favorite shows. They'll find out about it. They'll benefit. More people will be online every Sunday. More people will listen to the replays and the recordings, and uh, that's all good. Then you'll also have somebody to talk to about the class. You know, so much of being spiritually oriented, being on the path, being um, into uh, metaphysics or identifying as a so-called new age or whatever, you, however you want to get this revolution of consciousness. Part of the longing is to reach out and share this with other people, people that may not have to have exactly the same answers as you, but people who are asking a lot of the same questions as you. And if they listen to one of these programs that you really like a lot, then you can call them up or swap some email or get into a chat or a discussion group, and um, they'll have, you know, somebody to talk to. I say pick up the phone. Phone rates are so cheap these days. And by the way, if you don't have flat rate long distance, look into it. Your phone company is not going to call you and tell you about it. Everybody should have flat rate long distance so that, I think my I think I pay thirty five dollars or something total for all of my phone stuff out here, and that includes unlimited long distance at a flat rate. So, if that's preventing you from calling your friends, uh, get over it. Call the phone company. I'm not talking about VOIP. I mean real dial tone local telephone company. They have a flat rate program for you if you haven't checked it out. Okay, so uh, that's the deal with the replays and forwarding the links to your friends. And forgive me, I'll be talking a lot about that because I'm still really excited that we're able to do it. Also, the uh, long-anticipated upgrade of the FocusedPassion.com website is at hand. We're very close to that. Really excited about it. Brand new video, which is going to be on YouTube, um, that I think you're going to just love that encourages people to visit the site and subscribe to the premium podcast that I do with Steve Snyder uh, every week called Finding Yourself in Paradise. And when we say premium, we mean just that. In a way, this is a premium podcast. These are long. 
the one I do with Steve is usually 40 minutes to 50 minutes long. It includes a guided imagery exercise. This event runs an hour to an hour and a half, so that's what's and, and the content. That's what's premium about it. Um, most podcasts are on the order of eight to ten minutes, and are really promotions for the sale of other products. So we do this one for free as a premium podcast that is free, and then Steve and I, for 99 cents a week, do Finding Yourself in Paradise, also a premium podcast in that we're providing real, high-quality content, college-level, grad school-level um, content for you, really good stuff. So this will continue to be free. And, of course, the archives and the newsletter and all of that. And uh, FocusPassion.com is the place to go to find out more. You can hear free samples. And, uh, I'll let you know. It should be a week or two. We'll have the upgrade, the brand-new version of FocusPassion.com ready to go. And uh, the archive will be available there as well for subscribers. $0.99 cents a week. See if you can find that in your budget. All right, let's get to our topic today, which is spiritual activism. My friend Andrew Harvey calls this sacred activism, which I like. Because the word sacred is in some ways in the minds and hearts of some people, I think more inclusive than the word spiritual. Uh, sacred is a powerful word, and it, it carries with it an understanding that all things are connected, I believe, that there is just in this universe one mind and one heart at work. But this mind has divided itself. This heart has been broken, if you will, into many pieces, and we can feel that longing as we search for our source again. Uh, and that's the great Mandela, the great mystical journey, uh, the cycle of spirit involving itself in a sacred physical universe. I mean, we talk about the universe as Einstein did, for example, as energy and mass, or as spirit and matter. And yet, even the matter is spirit, right? Nothing exists that is not spirit, capital S, and therefore everything is sacred. One of the problems we have in the West, and you've heard me talk about this before, is when we visualize God, or the most divine, or the absolute, as a man on the cloud, then he, she, it exists outside its creation and is disconnected from its creation. But if you understand that no artist or creator could exclude itself from that which it creates. If if you paint a painting, sing a song, or dance a little dance that somebody else might have originally conceived of, you know, paint a painting like this, or sing this song that's already been written, or dance that famous dance, that it's still you, right? <laughs> How do you separate you or take yourself out from something that you've created? <clears throat> Excuse me, you can't. And so the image of God as a being outside of its creation is not only incorrect, but it's hazardous. It's dangerous. Because then spirit is separated from matter. 
see. And spirit is sacred, but matter becomes bad, the material world. Uh, this is the root of most sexism, by the way. Mater is feminine. Matter is female. God is a man in the simple imagery of the church. Spirit is a man. Matter is a woman. Spirit is good. Matter is bad. Women are bad. Women are unclean. Orthodox Jews wake up every morning, face the east, and thank God that they were not born a woman. It's very demeaning and degrading, and you can see it playing out, uh, of course, even today. Uh, women, it, it, people are surprised, most of them, to find out it was in the mid-1920s when women were first able to even vote. So um, it's uh, it's wrong to think of matter as other than spirit. It is just an incorrect concept that leads to the material world being not sacred. And then you can do all kinds of horrible things because the world is not a sacred place. Well, the world is a sacred place because everything is spirit. Spirit is spirit. Consciousness is spirit. Heart and soul is spirit. And the physical, dense, material, mater, universe is also spirit, just at different frequencies. The physical dense is just a very, very slow frequency that we inhabit. Okay? So I like sacred. And... Uh, Yet, uh, that may be even too powerful for some people. So whatever you want to call it, spiritual activism or sacred activism. What we're talking about here, guys, is that, uh, I almost said gang. I think I like gang. What we're talking about here, gang, that's better than guys and gals. Uh, we don't have to have a political or social agenda or ideology to become active, to become activists, political or social reformers. It's usually assumed that if we're working as a community organizer, perhaps, wasn't it interesting to hear the Republicans at their national convention this week deriding, this past week, deriding community activism, like that's a silly or stupid thing to do, right? That uh, that Obama chose Main Street over Wall Street after graduating. Uh, they mocked him for. But community organizing is very important. Uh, collective bargaining, unions, very important. People coming together to work together for a common good. Uh, if you're mocking that, you're mocking the heart and soul of democracy itself which I saw a lot of at the RNC uh, this past week. But be that as it may, community activism, maybe you don't think of yourself as an activist, but you go to protests or demonstrations every once in a while, or maybe you never miss one, or maybe you're really hardcore and involved in civil disobedience and direct action and, and uh, willing to go to jail. I had the honor a couple of years ago of interviewing on KPFK Martin Sheen. And while he's a great actor, and I loved West Wing and Apocalypse Now and Badlands and, and, and uh, Gandhi, and I just think Martin is incredible. What I most respect him for 
is his activism, his nonviolent activism, that he's been arrested over 70 times. And when Martin Sheen is arrested, they don't just, you know, fine you $150 and let you go home at the end of the day. He, They hit him with some big, big fines. And yet, he can't help himself. Is this some political ideology? Is he just a hardcore Democrat? No. He's a deeply spiritual man who can't help himself. He has just grown intolerant of the way things are, but doesn't have a political agenda per se. You could say he has a social agenda, but it, he doesn't see it as having to be expressed through government and politics. Certainly we have to influence them. And some are willing to become those representatives, okay, or lobbyists in the best sense of what that word's about. Well, that's all well and good for other people, but maybe you relate more to a guy like me or or Martin, if I can put myself with him in the same breath, and that what drives us, whether we're in the streets or blogging or meditating or just weeping because of our compassion for the suffering, the unnecessary and the gross injustice in this world. The good news is you don't need a political uh, political ideology. You don't you don't need to have the solution. You don't need to answer the bullies and the critics with their long bony fingers jabbing you in the middle of the chest, saying, "Well, yeah, buddy. Well, how would you change it?" You don't even need to know the answer to that. All you need to do to be a spiritual activist and a real reformer in this sense is be sensitive to the hurt in your heart at the conditions that we tolerate in this world. The extreme poverty, the starvation, 30,000 people a day die from starvation in this world the vast majority of them are children. Let's say 25,000 children every day die from starvation. In a world where 1% of what we spend on war, certainly, let me exaggerate, 10% of what we spend on war and torture and rendering and blowing up the world would solve all the problems that lead to war but eliminate the cash cow that is war. And Daddy Warbucks wants war and will kill and make sure that the uh, injustices continue so that you have the pretense for war. Well, it's all a scam. And if you're a meditator and, and a, uh, an aspirant, a spiritual disciple, then certainly you're in touch with this longing in your heart, and you can use your mind and your heart to center yourself on that compassion, that that love that tolerates and yet is intolerant. I mean, tolerates in that we're not going to counterattack and be the problem and be the enemy and 
Usually when I see protesters like in St. Paul this last week who get out of hand breaking windows and causing trouble, I know who those people are. They're the cops. <laughs> They've always been the agent provocateurs. Uh, in my era in the 60s, it was uh, Tommy the Traveler that that uh, Nixon was paying for, but he wasn't one person. It was a profile of hundreds and hundreds of cops that go out and cause trouble undercover to give the cops in uniform and their SWAT clothes an excuse to wade in, arrest a bunch of the organizers, and essentially decapitate the demonstration. If you arrest the organizers, then uh, those that haven't had the time or opportunity to be an organizer become disorganized, right? So cut off cut off the head. That's sort of the philosophy there. But the, the violent people in the streets tend to be, by and large, the cops. I mean, I hope you're, you're hip to that. And that frees us to join them, to be in the street, and to do a walking meditation in a protest, you know, or a singing meditation as you sing together and feel the camaraderie and look at other people just like you of all ages from children to grandparents and back again and uh, I, I just think getting out of the house is a wonderful a wonderful thing to do if, if you can but again maybe you're just a stay at home blogger you're still a spiritual activist <coughs> excuse me so whatever the nature of the activity Right, calling a friend and talking about, did you see that? Do you believe they picked Sarah Palin? Is that really what it's down to now? Okay. Um, and maybe you're used to talking politics, and especially this year. And with all that's new and different, a man of color really with a chance to get in office in a Democratic Party that just loves to blow every opportunity and screw it up in the end, because they really want to be Republicans, by and large. And it's got to be frustrating. Good news is, that's just the beginning, to look at politics, to look at the mainstream view of government running the world. Many of us understand that's all a sham and that's all a roots, that government is a facade for corporatism, that corporations are running the United States. Multinational corporations are running the world. And if you don't believe that, you may want to look around and ask yourself, well, when do you think that's going to begin? Because it certainly is at hand. Having said that, what is it, uh, where do we, where do we begin to look at ourselves as spiritual activists? What, what distinguishes us? Uh, as spiritual or sacred activists in a discussion or a debate, for example. Well, one thing has to be the middle way, or perhaps said in the negative sense, the absolute refusal to get suckered into an everything or nothing, all right, all wrong, all differences or opposites, either or conversation. I just watched Meet the Press this morning and saw Tom Brokaw, and, and, and Tom, I have respect for you, but uh, um, you're no, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on uh, 
Russer, you know Tim Russer, <laughs> blanked on the late Tim Russer. Tom, uh, you know Tim Russer. He just interviewed Joe Biden, uh, Obama's choice, of course, for vice president. And it was so much either or. It was, are you for the surge or against it? But it looks like the surge worked. Why won't you? And all of this everything or nothing that is so maddening to a conscious woman or man. They're saying, well, wait a minute, Tom. What about 90-10? What about 60-40? What about overlapping truths? What about a little of this and a little of that? What about both things are true and yet neither are absolutely true? And aren't we adults? And aren't we conscious enough to say, wait a minute, there could be, I mean, even the multiple choice tests that we took in school had a C and probably a D, maybe an all of the above or none of the above. And then we get out of school and, and, and our leading spokespeople are so simple-minded that they've reduced everything to false dichotomies and either or, everything or nothing and all differences or opposites. <clears throat> <You've>, <laughs> I think this is a great place to begin as a philosopher, a metaphysician, a mystic, a new ager, an occultist, whatever you want to call yourself, is to look at the middle way. The third option, the fourth possibility, the swing of the pendulum, not its extremes, that's certainly a place to begin. Another point, I think, is we have to be comfortable. This sort of follows on to that idea. We have to learn to be comfortable with mystery and paradox. Uh, the mystic is a woman or a man who just absolutely loves paradox. I believe it's Lao Tzu, the ancient Chinese philosopher, who said that all truth is found in paradox. And when you ponder or contemplate a paradox, in a gentle, reflective way, a richness of mystery opens, a wonder and awe, a wonderful experience. And awe, by the way, explains that phrase, God-fearing, that, that I never understood. I don't know about you, but I never really understood why that was good? I'm a God-fearing Christian. Well, God is love. Why, <laughs> why would you fear? Well, it comes from a time, uh, 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 now archaic, when one of the meanings of fear was awe, just like blown away, we would say, okay? Gobsmacked. Uh, uh, incredible. Uh, that's what, that's an old and now archaic meaning of fear. And that's where that comes from. That always confused me. So we have to love paradox, embrace paradox, and, and really dig being exposed to the mystery and the longing to know. And you do that enough times, and you find out, it's like staring into the middle of a rose, you find out that it'll never let you down. It's always true, it's always good, and it's always beautiful. Um, Roll with the paradoxes, gang. Don't don't join that either or crowd, because that's uh, a certain death. Empathy is important, and uh, understanding that the people that we oppose, we don't really need to resist. That that 
financial activist is always a Taoist. <clears throat> Excuse me. We really resist nothing as the classic example of the water that coming upon a rock in the middle of the stream uh, simply divides. It, it doesn't resist. It just flows around the rock and, and joins on the other side, uh, uh, seemingly unaffected by what a human might have seen as an obstacle and want to smash into and destroy. Do not resist. Okay? Now, to say do not resist evil, do not resist injustice, it's semantics. We have to fight to correct the injustice. And we have to fight that which is evil. But this is not, as I talked about a few weeks ago, the kind of traditional conquering of evil by good, as in St. George and the Dragon, that archetype, you know, of good slaying evil. The spiritual activist opposes in a different way. Basically, by loving the enemy, you know, by by edifying, by harmonizing, by uplifting, through acknowledging, for example, points that somebody who disagrees with you vehemently, let's say uh, coming up in a couple of months, you're sitting with your family around the Thanksgiving table and those inevitable political arguments begin. <laughs> When's Dad going to throw the drumstick at Junior again for his commie worldviews? And, and <laughs> don't oppose any of that. The best thing you can do is find some tiny little point to agree with and acknowledge it. I swear, it's one of the cornerstones of relationship management, which is a specialty of mine, is to give something first, you know, uh, in fact, in the context of Thanksgiving, you could even say, well, I am thankful that you believe this way, because I agree with you on that, and I support you. Don't say, because you agree with me on that, right? Say, I agree with you on that point. And it could be some minor, silly little thing that everybody ultimately wants peace or something, right? Uh, we just disagree, Dad, on the... Uh, or Uncle Harry, or whoever, Aunt Mary, on her third cocktail, what, what we're going to do about it. We, we can disagree on that if we agree on this. And, and you, that's what a harmonizer does, is you see them as essentially ignorant, but from a compassionate place. Not, I'm going to take advantage of their ignorance, or I'm going to label them as ignorant. These are not stupid people. This may be your family and your friends. And they're not stupid. They're just uninformed. And they're psychically numb, perhaps. They're not in touch with how much it hurts to look at the world and the extreme poverty and the war and the torture and the rendering and the environmental collapse and the extinction of animals. And it just goes on and on and on. And our government, our imperial government, is responsible for a great deal of it. Okay? Don't oppose in the traditional sense. Connect at the heart. Find something to agree with them on. And then educate them. Just shine a little light. And know that they're coming from fear and ignorance. And you're coming from love and understanding. But that's got to be a humble love and understanding. It can't be arrogant or superior. Then we play the same game. We fall back into the same trap. I want to share with you... And uh, 
get a quick head count here. I want to share with you guys an article on spiritual activism that includes 12 principles. And uh, when I get to the bottom of this, I think there's a credit I'll give you then. But this has really been bouncing around the Internet for a while, and I think a number of people get credit for it. I'm just going to run it down for you real quick. And I also want to remind you and call your attention to the fact that if you are listening live here on this Sunday afternoon, September 7, 2008, uh, you can... and and you're listening via the web, you can use that submit a question box on the bottom of the page. Uh, Many people are listening to me now by telephone, live, and, of course, many others will hear the replay forevermore. So uh, if you are online with me live, listening via the web, put a little comment in the box down there or a question about our topic today, a first name, uh, first and last, if you'd like, but uh, at least a first name of the city, and it's all pretty clear. And then remember to hit the submit box, and we'll go to those in just a few minutes. But let's run down this 12 principles of spiritual activism that has been bouncing around the Internet for a while and and becoming better and better, I think, quite nicely refined. I was going to say you can take notes, but again, it's probably easier just to remember that the replay is always available under web teleconference at theagelesswisdom.com, and you can forward it now to a friend. Here's the first principle of spiritual or sacred activism. The underlying motivation must be rooted in compassion and love, not anger, fear, and despair. So the fact that we're rooted in anger or in compassion and love does not mean that we don't get angry or that these horrible people don't scare us so you will experience anger and you will experience fear and perhaps even despair at times but remember uh, that is the path to being the people that you're trying to educate and edify you see so our responsibility and i think that's why this is the first of the 12 principles is whenever you find yourself there That's not an identity, it's a behavior, it's a feeling. Lift yourself to compassion and love. Look, I mean, it's not easy to look at Dick Cheney or George Bush with compassion and love. And I'm not going to tell you how to do it, I don't know that I could. Except that somewhere inside them, they're terrified, terrified little men. And to think of people who use fear to fight fear as frightened people is one of those paradoxes that I mentioned a few minutes ago so understand that the most violent and evil people in their hearts are terrified they're just they're frightened little children they need therapy is what they need and uh, <laughs> classes and more Bodhi Tree bookstores and Number two, there must be non-attachment to outcome. This is difficult, gang. If our work is to foster lasting positive change, we must commit to doing something even if we never see the results in our lifetime. Or see the results, I would add, see the results 
in the package you want to see them in? I mean, how specific is your agenda? Does it have to be exactly this way? Okay. One of the fascinating things about my 14 years at KPFK, and during that time I worked for about four different general managers and six or eight program directors and hundreds and hundreds of programmers and producers and volunteers coming in through the doors. One of the richest parts of that experience was just how diverse people are. We had our hardcore communists, and then they were broken into the Leninists and the Trotskyites and the Maoists and the, and the Che Guevara fans. And then there were the socialists who were socialists, but they weren't really communists. And, and then we had the anarchists, and then we had the the free enterprisers with a conscience, and then we had the religious zealots, and I mean, it was just this wonderful mix of people with all these different agenda, agendae, <laughs> and yet we got along because we had the KPFK mission statement, which is essentially peace and justice, and that's what we had in common, and that's what we cared about, and if people got upset, and that happens a lot at KPFK. And the administration uh, thinks the Democratic form of run in that station is too Democratic. And, the, uh, and those who push for democracy at the workplace think management sees it as too authoritarian or whatever. You know, If we all remember, we're all working for peace and justice. At work, on the air, every place, you know, at home school, working for peace and justice. Just keep it simple. How we get there, I'm okay. I can, I can work with an anarchist on my left and a communist on my right if they're non-violent, loving, compassionate people. I can work with a capitalist and a socialist and show them how much they have in common. And uh, that's that, I think, makes my point. And again, we're not looking at an either-or here. But. So don't be attached to a particular path or a particular outcome. We're just working together in as many different ways as possible under the diversity. The third principle, if our work has integrity, that in itself will protect us. Okay. Um, I like the Trinity, good, true, and beautiful. Working for peace and justice has to have its goodness and its truth and its beauty. It has to have all parts. We have to be honest and accurate and truthful and in our integrity. We've, the word means whole. Uh, an integer could be a part of something whole, but integrity, integration, integral, integer, all right, has its wholeness. Just like the word one can mean a separate one, this one or that one or <laughs> that one way over there that is not this one but they're all one 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 or I should say and the word one also means the whole enchilada the whole kit and caboodle right integrity point number four integrity uh, in means cultivates integrity in the fruit of our work. We cannot achieve a noble goal using ignoble means. All right? 
said, the end does not justify the means, even if you are a spiritual activist. <laughs> we can't fight a good war to stop the bad wars. It doesn't work. There is no just war. Apologies to Thomas Aquinas. Uh, that was a thousand years ago. This is today. It's a nuclear era. It's very different now. All right? It's very different. This isn't clubs and spears and arrows. Uh, a nuclear era. So the means do not justify the ends. We have to be in our integrity in our ways and means. Uh, indeed, peace itself is not an end. It's the way. You've heard it said, peace is the way. Love is the way. They're not outcomes. They're not goals. Peace is not a goal. It's the means. Love is not the outcome. It's the path. It's the road. It's the via. It's the way. It's the means. Okay. Number five, demonizing our adversaries leads to polarization. People respond to arrogance with their own arrogance. Yeah, and I'll add to that. Respond to your defensiveness and my defensiveness with their defensiveness and it's our tendency to respond to their defensiveness with our defensiveness and our own arrogance and sense of superiority because we know we're right. There you are, sucked right back into fighting fire with fire. Uh, look, that St. George and the Dragon stuff was fine for the last 2,000 years. Uh, you know, to, for for good to conquer evil in that sense, especially the idea of the spiritual warrior that that protects those who are defenseless, uh, that is noble, and that's all well and good. But uh, we've grown. We're smarter. We're in a whole new planetary age of 2,500 years. At the very least, we're the 21st century, the third millennia. We need to look at things in a more evolved way, from a more elevated point of view, and you don't kill the enemy. Right? This isn't a civil war where brother kills brother over an ideological issue, or is it? Yes, it is, in many ways. But, again, if you understand that, that what is evil is primarily fear and ignorance, you can educate that. You can give your enemy books and bread. I've often said, I'm surprised at how few ever consider, that the reason there was never a nuclear war that came out of the Cold War between the United States, its allies, Russia and its allies, was that we were feeding the Soviet Union. And the Soviet Union was never going to drop a bomb on its breadbasket. So if we fed our enemies and gave them books and maybe some blue jeans, I think they'd stop being our enemies. They don't hate us for our freedom. They hate us for our arrogance and the gross injustices that we perpetrate on them. Let's get real about that. Right? This America First crowd really scares me sometimes. But every time that happens, I've got to lift my fear into empathy and love, compassion and understanding so that I can help them to do the same. That's how we eliminate evil. The light does defeat the darkness. All right. Dark
darkness is simply the absence of light. It does not resist. Darkness does not resist the light. Point number six. Move from an us-them consciousness to a we consciousness. Very important. Uh, go from, I would say, an us or them. A you or me, let me say it this way, uh, from a you or me world to a you and me world. Okay? And, again, stand in the center of that wonderful paradox of unity and diversity. How can we be both? Easy, through the magnetic power of love and consciousness in the middle. That's how we can be spiritual, the one life that everything is connected to, and honor diversity and uniqueness. Well, isn't it cool that we have Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism and Confucianism and, and Islam and the rich Jewish traditions and, and, and Christianity, and, and why do we have to kill each other? If you're so dead certain in your religion, why do you have to kill people that disagree? And we see that a lot in most religions. You don't see it much in Buddhism or Taoism, the do-no-harm religions, although there have been some violent people that said they were Buddhists, but the teaching is clear enough. The Christian teaching is clear enough, but most people don't get it. Love your enemy. Yeah, right. Now, how about that defense budget, that war budget? Right? Let's go attack Iraq. They don't even have a military. <laughs> they have no... No battleships, no submarines, they have no airplanes. We attacked a defenseless country and waved our flag. It was just so disgusting. Still is. <laughs> it's ignorance that we're fighting, don't you see? Americans thought, ask them, ask your friends. They thought Saddam had an army and that there were Iraqi tanks and Iraqi airplanes. and <laughs> They just don't know. That's what we're fighting. How do you fight ignorance? You don't kill it. You educate it. You don't starve it with sanctions. You feed them. What if instead of blockading countries we disagree with, we feed them and educate them? Point seven. Our work is for the world rather than for us. Think of that what you will. I think that's certainly well-intentioned. I think what it means is for the collective rather than for the individual. The way it's worded, I, I'm not sure how I separate me from the world or the world from me, uh, but that's what they're talking about. It's not just the individual. I'm not just doing this for me to have a little peace in my life. I'm doing it for the world. Well, of course, and you are the world. Wasn't there even a song, We Are the World? <laughs> we are. Well, of course you are. You know, When Chernobyl melted down, you breathed, wherever in the world you were, you breathed the radiation from Chernobyl. Okay. When the United States dropped atom bombs on Japan twice, tiny little nukes compared to what we have today, and vaporized 300,000 people instantly, steam and ash, uh, the whole world was nuked for the first time. That radiation will live for thousands and thousands of years. The radiation from the the material that made that very first bomb is still radioactive and deadly for tens of thousands of years. This is insanity. Number eight, 
Selfless service is a myth because in serving others, we also serve ourselves. In giving, we receive. Falling into the trap of pretentious service to others uh, to others' needs encourages a false sense of selflessness. You know, this is a very good point. The false sense of selflessness, uh, I deal with that in... I deal with that in my relationship management work, and I've learned from a man I admire a lot named Cody Bateman of Send Out Cards, the difference between giving to give and giving to get. And that's the way Cody says it. And uh, the idea of you need to give uh, in order to receive, of course, is ancient. It's, it's in the golden rule. It's the secret law of attraction. You know, first you have to know what you want and visualize it and give that out into the world. So here we're talking about spiritual activism. We have to be peaceful people. It's not I'm going to come from violence and anger because I want peace, and I'll be peaceful once I kill all you uh, people that disagree with me. I mean, it's it's insane. But to to consider the difference between giving to get and expecting that you're going to get brownie points or karma or some sort of grace from God, uh, to, to want that is not giving. Even if you don't expect a reward in kind, and you say, well, I did give this service or this this benefit, whatever, this product or good, or um, and I didn't get any payment for it, but I knew I was going to get some sort of karmic benefit, well, that's still not giving if you give in order to get. And that's sort of what this applies. And to consider giving to give, that is, give without any expectation of anything coming back, either in kind or metaphysically or spiritually, is a more complete level of letting go. I'd like to spend more time on that. Actually, Steve and I, in our premium podcast, Finding Yourself in Paradise, just just did a show a couple of weeks ago called uh, Giving to Give. That's part of the, you can subscribe to that and get uh, access 99 cents a week at FocusPassion.com. Number nine, don't insulate ourselves from the pain of the world. We must allow our hearts to be broken open. Very important point. I like that a lot. Sometimes our hearts become so crystallized or concretized, so inflexible, because of our defensive nature, we're always trying to protect our hearts, that it can't grow anymore unless it's broken. And if you reflect upon broken hearts, either in romance or I think it's easier if you just think of grief, mourning, and loss, and how the death of somebody who you really, really loved shattered your heart. That's love. That horrible hurt is love. And as you move through it, you don't hold on to it. As you move through it fully and completely, as you explore the depth and the breadth of that heartache, it heals and that heart is now expanded and able to experience more love on the other side. So sometimes sometimes we need to have a broken heart. I mean, you could feel a little of the heartache for a long period of time or just plumb the depth and get it over with and go about healing that heart as quickly as possible. 
Chad, what we attend to, we become. If we attend to battles, we become embattled. If we give love, we become loving. What we choose shapes and deeply defines us. So the spiritual activist doesn't shout uh, hateful slogans and doesn't take the bait when victimized by some nasty, hateful comment at the uh, Thanksgiving uh, relatives all gathered around uh, the table. I don't know why I always think of Thanksgiving. I guess I do know why. <laughs> I think of Thanksgiving in this way. Um, okay, what we attend to, we become. That's the law of attraction. You go where you look. Be the change you want to be. Be the heartfelt love and kindness you want others to be. There's just no getting around that. Number 11, this is real personal, the way you take this. Number 11, rely on faith not blind adherence to any set of beliefs, but in knowing from experience the universal principles beyond our direct observation. So what is being said here, I think, is that relying on faith is not a matter of believing what the preacher tells you or what the Pope says or what is written in a book that may be divinely inspired, but was nevertheless written by human beings who sometimes had nightmares and got confused and forgot stuff. All right? So that's not faith. Faith is a feeling in your heart when it's calm, perceived by the mind when it's lucid. Hence the need for contemplation and meditation and true prayer, not just reviewing your shopping list with God. That's relying on faith. And 12, learning creates form. It's the mind that gives rise to the apparent fragmentation of the world while the heart operates at a greater depth. So, again, you go where you look, you get what you expect, what goes around comes around, you reap what you sow. Givers gain. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Karma. In relationships, the golden rule. I think we've got a consensus on this one. We just have to do more for ourselves and with other people to understand the implications of mind is everything. And what you put your attention on is manifest. So again, peace is not simply an outcome. Justice is not merely a goal. But they are the means to an eternal and permanent and infinite unfolding of peace and justice in the world. That's our job, is to usher that in. To bring heaven to earth, not to wait for some savior or messiah to come and do it for us but to be worthy to bring heaven to earth to make this the Eden that it once was or, or could be okay I have to be careful with that once was stuff because uh, it's very very likely that Eden is heaven and not earth another ageless wisdom webinar for another day perhaps 
I said this uh, uh, 12-point document has been bouncing around the Internet for a while. Uh, this is most recently adopted from an article called Leading with Spirit, Transforming the Heart of Ecological Activism by Will Keepin, K-E-E-P-I-N, Will Keepin. And you can find more at satyana.org. That's S-A-T-Y-A-N-A, satyana.org on the Internet. Okay, so thanks to Will and the other people that made contributions to that. And um, let me see. Let's close this document, go back, refresh the screen, and look at some questions or comments that people have posted here. This will take me just a minute. Good. Here we go. And then we'll do our guided imagery exercise, and then we'll uh, call it a day. So, who's first? We'll take them in the order they come in. All are from this morning. You can do this before the event, by the way. But uh, we have John in Pittsburgh again. Hello, John in Charlotte in Montreal. Always looking forward to class, and thank you, Charlotte. We look forward to your participation. It's, I don't know why it's so cool that you're all over the place and Quebec just seems so romantic and far away and French and beautiful. And I love having you on. Thanks. And in the equally romantic La Habra, California, Carol. Hi, Carol. And in Oxnard, uh, it's not where you are, it's who you are, right? And Oxnard, Randall, he says, uh, timely topic, hopefully our activism from here to the election or bring about real changes. I can only hope so. Yeah, geez, gosh. Isn't it, <laughs> isn't it hilarious that the uh, Republicans are talking about shaking things up in Washington, right? There's going to be some big change in Washington. Again, it's just like how stupid can people be? I, I know I don't sound like much of a spiritual teacher when I talk like that, but that's what comes up for me. And then, of course, I remember, well, they're not stupid. They're confused and frightened, and so am I. I'm confused and frightened, but I honor my heart. I'm not going to pick up a sword. I'm not going to kill strangers for Exxon. I just, I'm not going to send my children to die for Exxon. I won't do it. And I've been saying that all my life. I said that in the Vietnam era as well. The oil was part of what that was all about. And they call it balance of power. It's imperialism, and I'm off on a rant for you. Yeah, the Republicans are going to bring some big change, all right. It's going to get even worse. More torture, more rendering. Do you see the way the Patriot Act was used to arrest journalists in St. Paul? And Sarah Palin, the vice president, is not going to talk to the media and will not answer questions? Wow. Oh, except maybe Fox News. I'm sure she'll get an interview on Pravda. In Cerritos, Kareem, good afternoon, Kareem. He says, hello, Michael. Uh, Lake Forest, uh, Randy saying hi. Blessings as always back at you, Randy. And uh, Lorelei in Surprise, Arizona. Surprise. And she says, thanks for everything you do. Okay, well, thank you guys for being here and all the other people that are on the line. Uh listening on the web or by telephone and hello to you who come and listen to the replay afterwards and I want to mention but I'll explain it in greater detail after the meditation here 
want to mention once more that uh, we have this really cool new feature on my website now where you can listen to the archives of this class and with a single click choose to send any one of them or more to a friend via an, an email link and we even send the email for you so it's very slick you might want to check that out take a look at it now explain that a little better and talk about it a little more after our guided imagery exercise okay our topic is spiritual activism so come on you spiritual warriors this is where we sit down and close our eyes find a comfortable place I mean you know you have to be smart about this if you're driving a car or operating a chainsaw right now you might want to do this later but if you're, I'm turning off the lights myself, getting all ready. Close your eyes, relax, take a nice, slow, deep breath. And take a look at the fear that we'll have a hundred years of war in Iraq. Take a look at your fear that there are now global food riots. Look at your fear that most people don't know about the food riots all over the world because the media is controlled by the same corporations that control the government. Yeah, look at your fear at the beginning of every meditation like this and let it go. For that's what a meditation is, at least in part, is a refusal to hold on to the muscular tension with which we carry our fear, our emotional turmoil, and our mental miasma, confusion. Instead, feel the letting go of muscular tension by acknowledging and identifying with these fears. These fears are very real danger. And then feel safe anyway. Create and sense in your body from the top of your head to the soles of your feet a feeling of letting go, of muscles relaxing and unwinding. Ah. Take a nice, slow, deep breath or two, careful, only one at a time. And as you exhale, ah. Feel the melting away, the falling away of muscular tension. Imagine yourself like butter on a warm day, just softening slowly all the way to the core of your being. And imagine yourself in a beautiful place of perfect peace. An Eden is mentioned before, a heavenly Eden, a beautiful paradise, a garden, with trees and bushes, green, 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 and, and beautiful flowers, splashes of color, ecstasies of color. Wherever you look, in warm, sunny meadows and cool, shady, enchanted, forested places, 
lake and maybe a little stream over here and a panoramic view over there. The feeling you're making it up is exactly right. And imagine yourself sitting, sitting in this beautiful place of perfect peace. And there is a path before you, though for now you sit, there is a path that begins at your feet. And the path is a way of peace and justice. And you are the spiritual warrior that you've become increasingly aware of through your growing intolerance of war and torture, of imperialism and injustice, of hunger, poverty, and the tolerance of evil. For though tolerance is a wonderful thing, evil cannot be tolerated yet need not be opposed in the traditional sense of eradication or opposition. We can dance with evil. We can step directly into the heart of darkness if we will but walk this path of peace and love and compassion. Now as a spiritual warrior, a spiritual activist, you have a sword and a shield, but they're a little different than the sword and the shield of the Crusaders. This is not religion, this is spirit. And so your sword and your shield are spiritual weapons not physical. The sword is made of love. And it repels all that is not love and attracts that which is. The shield is love. Your sword is a sword of truth and does not render or let blood it does not kill with a thrust or a stroke of the blade, but rather renders the veils of illusion, cutting through the veils and the fog that rise up from a frightened, angry heart and cloud the minds of men and women. The sword of truth allows us to move through the veils and the fog and to see the radiance of truth and peace in the most elevated way, transcendent, like the sun itself shining down without condition on all living things needing nothing in return, asking not even to be appreciated, much less worshipped. Yet those who do appreciate and do worship in the most conscious way now have a direction to move in upon the path of love we move toward the higher will, 
upon for Christians the path of the Christ we move toward the promise of the Father's kingdom for the Buddhist and the Taoist and the Hindu we walk the middle way avoiding the extremes the false dichotomies the everythings and nothings the lie that all differences are opposites or that opposites are mutually exclusive for how opposite could they be if they were mutually exclusive and open your heart to paradox and the love of mystery and the never-ending integrity that unfolds from walking this path and imagine yourself now with the shield of love and the sword of truth beginning to walk forward on this path toward the light toward the kingdom toward the promise the Christos is here now in you the Buddha nature exists now within you the promise of all religions is available now in you not from you so much as through you and out into the world into the void of fear and ignorance evil appears to be a force it appears at times to be extraordinarily powerful but ultimately it's it's nothing it's no thing it exists as the absence of goodness, truth, and beauty. And it is conquered as easily as the darkness is conquered by a flashlight. No opposition. Step forward. Be the light. Be the love. Be the change. Look upon your adversaries, whether it's your politically backward brother or sister or mom or dad or one of your own kids somebody at work look at them with compassion acknowledge in their belief system whatever you can find to acknowledge to create a spirit of harmony and then move into the darkness with your light educate and edify and as soon as you see resistance back off say something nice and save it for another day you've, you've cultivated a little ground now you've planted a few seeds don't become the enemy with screams and threats and, 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 and violent gestures and to remember that, and to be that, and to bring that into the spiritual battle. Remember to breathe. Be the breath. There is instant meditation available, and all the benefits that come with it. When you simply take one nice, slow, deep breath, inhaling through your nose, Hold as you peek, and exhaling through nose or mouth, just as slowly 
feel the letting go. Be the peace. Be the change. Be the healing and the growth that is the heart of life itself. In the world. For the greater good of all concerned. This path doesn't end. It is the journey of life. It unfolds. Even through birth and death. Not life and death. It is birth and death within the one life that perpetually unfolds. Whether you believe you get one time in this earth body or many. The path continues. The work, whether you call it redemption, salvation, or a more alchemical sense of healing and improvement, or the growth and longing and the aspiration to be more. Enjoy the journey. Be thrilled by the wonder of adventure. And be the change and be the love that you are out into the world that others may find that in themselves. And you are worthy. And you do make a difference. Talk to one person. You've made a difference. So go talk to another. Start a blog. Join a community organization or just talk to people. The election's coming up. Whatever the outcome, imagine our brave troops coming home. Imagine that we not only end this war, but the mindset that leads to war once and for all. It's just not a viable option. And then take down the nukes and turn toward healing the planet. All of this awaits us. This is the journey. This is the path of peace. It's not a destination. It's the path. Walk it gently with a smile on your face and love in your heart. Have some fun along the way. And tell yourself that this will be easy to remember and easy to repeat, this little process. You could do a little mini version in just a minute or two. Anytime that you feel discouraged or frightened or filled with despair, take a breath and return here. Pick up your shield of love and your sword of truth and begin to put your feet directly upon the path, moving into the sun. ever higher, ever more, ever better. Easy to remember how to do this. Easy to remember the benefits and the importance of doing it. And bring a full memory and that understanding with you now as you reorient yourself toward the sound of my voice and, well, Remember the room in which you're sitting, and I'd like you to take a nice, slow, deep breath, and as effortlessly as possible, 
As you now exhale that breath, open your eyes, wide awake and alert, back in the room, feeling rested and refreshed and hopefully a whole lot more positive and enthusiastic and feeling like the spiritual warrior, understanding perhaps a little bit more about what that means. Okay. Well, thanks for being with us. I hope you make it a point to join us every Sunday for this live webinar, this Ageless Wisdom Mystery School class, 1 o'clock in the West Coast. That's uh, 4 o'clock start time on the East Coast and uh, 20 hours GMT. Most Americans don't even know what that is, and that's okay, too. Um, <laughs> and UTC, as they call it now. Gosh, I wish we'd join the world. You know, it's America has so much to offer. Can't we? Can't we? Do we have to always be the best? Do we have to always be number one and separated and better than anybody? Can't we just, you know, be part of the one world of people that just want one thing, which is to be loved and feel safe? That's all any of us want, just a hug, somebody to smile at us and help us feel safe and loved. It is terrifying sometimes down here in the earth plane. And anything you can do to help connect yourself or somebody else to spirit through the agent of connection, the in-between, the spirit and the matter, the heart and soul of things, is the love, the consciousness, the truth, the ageless wisdom itself in the middle, right there, smack dab between the one and the many. So, again, I want to remind you that we have this super, super cool new feature, thanks to Haley Carr's idea and Kurt Wyman's skills at uh, making web things do their magical things. You can now send this program or any of the past programs, uh, the audio archive I'm talking about, to a friend to listen to with a simple email. We'll even send it for you. Anytime you find yourself in my site, or, or you can go there now, as soon as we wrap it up here. In fact, there's a link in the lower right that says The Ageless Wisdom, if you want to explore the whole site, or... Use the link in the lower right that says Audio Archive if you're on the web now. And that will take you directly to the web teleconference where you can listen to this program and replay after about five minutes after we're done. That will be there. Or any of the past audio archives of this Sunday class. And not only listen to it, but click on the link that allows you to email that program to a friend. Okay? So hopefully you'll do that. We want to make this available to as many people as possible, because after all, we're waging inner peace. I don't think I need to tell you who to vote for, and I'm not going to. You may want to write in your own name. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't mean your name. Well, maybe, but I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I am, I am going to ask you to vote. Um, after this whole uh, class today about the importance of service and good works, uh, karma, yoga, uh, I, I think whatever you choose to do is your business. And if you don't want to participate in the political machine and, and don't want to see politics as a solution, well, I certainly understand that. and That's fine with me. I'm sure you'll find a, another wonderful way to make a contribution. But having said that, would you vote? Um, I'm really concerned about the election this year. And uh, we've, we've just got to stop the war now, to coin a phrase, and uh, study war no more. What, what could be more 
spiritual. So please register to vote. That's all I'm asking you to do. Be sure you're registered by October 6th. Register to vote and then do it. Go vote your conscience. Careful of letting your mind get in the way. Vote your conscience, vote your heart. And be sure you're registered by October 6th in whatever state in which you live. If you're overseas and American, then uh, I'm sure you know how to go about getting an absentee ballot. You can contact your consulate. Also, I received and put in the email this week um, a telephone number and email address for those of you who may want to help a project called Yoga Vote, which is calling in the 11 most critical swing states calling yoga studios and asking them uh, to encourage their students and clients to register by October 6th. So check the email if you want more information on that, or just email me if you missed it. Uh, my email is on the screen in front of you, also mv at theagelesswisdom.com, and I'll tell you how to be a volunteer in Yoga Vote calling yoga studios in the critical swing states to make sure all of their people are registered to vote. Okay, that's the important thing. I think if we can get high voter turnout, we can get some peace and justice. I don't have to tell you which way to vote or how to vote. And again, I presume there will be more than two candidates on there, so vote vote your conscience. Okay. Hey, thanks very much for uh for listening and being with us today. And remember, FocusedPassion.com, the premium podcast with Steve and I, delivered right to your computer for just 99 cents, is available. You see the big action button there in the lower right above the other links. And uh, take a look, and I'll let you know in a week or two when we get the new web page up. And uh, we're going to have a whole new slick and easy way to subscribe, single click, in the we're real excited about all the new content that we're going to be adding and a major upgrade. So promises, promises. Can Michael deliver? Will Steve deliver? Can Kurt come through? I think so. <laughs> I really do. I really think uh, you're going to love what we're bringing to FocusedPassion.com. So keep an eye out for that. And, uh, again, Thanks so very much for being with us. Have a wonderful rest of the weekend. And as always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha.